the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. The Athletic is hiring, by the way. Let's start with that. What sports publication company is hiring these days? Uh, the Athletic is in drones. I mean, if you are tech, writer, social media, I, I've been seeing all sorts of different posts from the variety of people that, that are in my network here. So, uh, you know, 1A here, check out The Athletic if you're looking for a sports gig because they are certainly looking for you. Outside of that, we have a major Major League Baseball extension, one of probably a half dozen or so they are going to come in the next couple of weeks. Certainly the baseball team at The Athletic is all over this. NFL free agency is now in grade mode, right? Grading the trades, grading the signings, all those good things that the great writers there do. And of course, NBA trade deadline information, which we'll be getting to later this week as well on this show. Visit theathletic.com slash spotrack. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. And it is not just NFL league year for the reality, but also for the fantasy. Growing up, we dream of catching the game-winning touchdown, hitting a home run in the World Series, and making that last-second shot. The dream lives on and inspires us. We become coaches. We dream to be a GM of our favorite team, owning our own professional sports franchise. Playing fantasy sports has given us this ability. But as fantasy football became more and more mainstream, it became more about who got to the waiver wire fast enough to get that next player. Fantasy football lacks the reality and the authenticity of rewarding timeliness and good luck. Traditional fantasy sports just don't allow you to do what you can do in real life. That's where Dynasty Owner comes in. Dynasty Owner takes the lack of reality and adds it back in by incorporating a real salary cap and assigning players their real-life NFL contracts. It is no longer about player performance alone. Every contract, every number actually matters. The 2021 season for Dynasty Owner is now open. Starting at $29, you can let the dream live on and play a fantasy game that lets users face similar decisions that real NFL GMs and owners face today. Visit DynastyOwner.com, get started. 29 bucks get you in. The 2021 league year is now open for Dynasty Fantasy Sports. This is quite an audience, by the way. We follow these guys. A lot of these guys follow Track, of course, for the, for the contract information. These are A1 football nerds. Our, our kind of guys and gals. So uh, good to see them back in uh, in season, in league year, like the real NFL is. Visit DynastyOwner.com and uh, try your best. This was fun. Scott, Scott, we did this last year, right? Welcome to the show. This was good stuff. This is pretty real GM moves, and we just kind of were in yeah. beta mode. So I can't even imagine where this is going once they actually do full contract breakdowns and restructures and things like that. This was a, a, a really nice little start to how this works, and I think there's much, much bigger things to come, right? Yeah, I agree. I think one of the interesting caveats compared to the other fantasy that we've done is you get bench points. So I thought that was a pretty totally. awesome entity. Totally. It wasn't just about shelving guys for later. You actually had to figure out who your best bench was on every given yeah. week. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Dynasty.com. Good stuff. Obviously we're going to talk some football today. Not too much. And I think we can kind of keep this surfacey, Scott, uh, more about just how it's going, what's kind of jumping off the page, maybe what's left over the next week or so, because we did a, I mean, let's be honest. It was Monday. <laughs> you know, it was it was the fifteenth that really had the boom and the balloon here, and it's been nicely paced ever since, kind of allowing us time to get these details in and maybe evaluate what's happened. Um, here's the big thing this week. I'll start with this, especially today. This is Sunday, by the way, March twenty first. This is a gigantic day. This is the fifth day of the league year. This is when so many roster bonuses are paid. Salaries are guaranteed either for this year or for next year, or in Patrick Mahomes' case, for 2023. Uh, just a lot of triggers over the, over the past couple and the next few days. So you're going to see a lot of changes with dead cap and things like that with some of your favorite players on our site because of that. It's, uh, it's important in March here to kind of keep up with how things ebb and flow because it's not a week one situation for many of these players. There's a lot of bonuses paid out right now. That's why a lot of the restructures happen right away when, when the league year starts or even before that, because they've got to get in front of those roster bonus payments so they can convert those into signing bonuses to the league and then prorate those for cap purposes. That's why we see that so often. Still plenty of restructures to come, by the way, and uh, I'm still efforting some details on ones that are reported but not yet confirmed. 
So, you know, the cap situation is fluid with all 32 of these teams, especially this year as there's more creativity than ever. But a lot of triggers kind of went off today at 4 p.m. Eastern, and those updates will be hitting the site very, very soon. So just something to keep an eye on. Scott, let's go back and forth a little bit on maybe some questions you have, some thoughts you have, just some takeaways from almost a week now. Like I said, Monday is really when this all kind of got going. So what's on the top of your head with all this? Is Trent Williams an anomaly, or do you think 49ers had to pay as much as they did? Uh, I went back over the last couple of years, and the highest total value has been around 84 to $90 million, and then we see Trent Williams get the 138. Right. So do you think it's an anomaly? Did they have to pay? Because you know we're talking about a 33-year-old left tackle, you know, I see that you've got him as an opt out of three years, which takes him to 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I'm not I'm not I, I think San Francisco wanted the six years more than anything, because I, I think teams are just done fooling around with these with these short term contracts on, on power positions, which left tackle certainly is. Did they need to go that high total value, that high guaranteed? It sounded like the, the the teams that were in were legit teams, uh, and the Chiefs were close. Uh, it sounds like the Chiefs had a twenty million dollars so offer per year on him, which obviously amped things up. And I mentioned on the last show that it, it got to a point where Trent Williams basically said, "You can pay me one dollar more than David Bakhtiari a year, and I'll be happy." And they took about ten thousand dollars more per year, <laughs> and uh, there was some good banter going back and forth on that. So. He was probably a $23 million quarter, uh, left tackle no matter what because of Laramie Tunzel and Deb- David Bakhtiari's deals. Did it have to go six years, 138? No. Um, my guess is he thought long and hard about that Chiefs offer. Why wouldn't he? That's, mm-hmm. the, you know, that's kind of the cream of the crop. A good paycheck from that team. San Francisco probably was forced into that six year. And you, you hit the nail on the head, though. It's, it's almost not even worth talking about. Because something's happening year four here, whether it's a, a smaller restructure for cap purposes, because he's going to be upper 30s. That's just not tenable for a left tackle situation. Um, through 36, 30, 37, that's about where we've seen guys really start to taper. So the three for, what is it, 57-ish, I think? That's about right. Oh, 60. He'll get, he'll get over 60, actually, over these next three years. So 20 million plus, <clears throat> excuse me, even on the potential out. So yes, it's somewhat backloaded, but he's still getting that twenty million plus at age thirty-three in a good organization. He probably could have been in a great organization for about the same price tag. So good for him. You're right. That total value is huge for a free agent signing. But we're going to talk about the next one on this list. We'll save it. I'll bury the lead on that one because that I think the second highest total value contract in free agency is is questionable at best to me. We'll put it that way. Um, Let's run down the game. What are the questions you have for me here? Why? Maybe I'm off based on this, but why do you think there's been so many or so less trades than Mm. we anticipated there being? It's a good point. Uh, The easy answer is there are big fish hanging out there right now. Okay. Do you know what I mean by that? I I do. Zach Ertz, that kind of stuff. Well, Deshaun, for instance. Oh, okay. The the, there's two separate uh, you know conversations coming out of Houston right now. Obviously, the one is the is the legal one, but the other one is beat reporters like John McClain and guys who are directly linked to this organization, basically saying this thing's done. He's out of here. And they're not being flippant about this. They're saying this out loud on social media. We are pretty mm-hmm. sure he's out of here. Um, right. You know, and that's a football thing. That has nothing to do with the fact that there's the investigations going on. That's, those are, like I said, separate conversations. So you're, if you're Carolina or you're the Jets or you're one of these teams who are, you know, the Bears, if you're in, the Patriots, if you're in, you got to be careful with what you do right now, you know, whether it's give up too many draft picks for somebody, whether it's bring in too much cap at one time. Um, you got you got to kind of reserve the ability to make that move when it really does become available. Because like I said, if if the public is being told it's going to happen, what's what's being said behind the scenes? 
what's being said GM to GM, you know? Um, I think it is, it's one of the reasons the Jets waited so long to do anything in free agency. Now they're starting to kind of find their legs. Who knows what's going to happen with Sam Darnold, but you know, it's going to be a, maybe a, a snowball next six weeks as we approach that draft, five weeks, really. And uh, to me, it all linchpins on him. It, it is, he's the kind of the, the, the top of the mountain with a lot of these decisions. And if we hear one way or another, maybe other ships will fall. There's some smaller pieces that I think still will move uh, off a couple of these teams. And, and more so it was about getting your cap situation figured out, right? Could you, could you get six of your guys to restructure? We just saw the Bears make a huge cut yesterday in Kyle Fuller. You know, a, a $20 million cap hit fell off there. So that's not even done. The cap casualty part of this conversation is not even done yet. So it just seems like everybody collectively is maybe with the, you know, with the exception of the Patriots and the Texans, by the way, who are just flooring it with depth signings and, and volume signings. Everybody else maybe is a week behind where they normally would be this, in this process because the cap was weirder. The dr- upcoming draft is definitely weirder. We've talked to people who, you know, the scouts are maybe 50% of what they normally would have in these guys. We had no combine. So there's, there's just not enough information maybe to be secure in going full bore right out of the gate, March 17th this year. I just think there's a bit of a waiting process. And I, I think I agree with it because honestly, the longer you wait, the better value you generally, generally get. And that, that's not just in the free agent signing that that can be with the trades too. For instance, you mentioned Ertz. Yeah. I, I'm pretty positive. He's going to get outright released because teams will just wait that out. But, you know, if they wanted a third, would they take a seventh? You know, if somebody comes in late and says, all right, well, look, we know you're going to release this guy. We'll give you a seventh to get him off your off your, your cap right now. I think that's the part of the offseason we're trending toward now. You know, once we get past that first week of the league year, that's when those value picks really start to come in, both in signings and trades. So something to look forward to. And... uh you know, we'll get to some of these best available players. There's some good names out there, but I, I do think that there's better names available via trade. I do. Okay. And leading into that, you mentioned Houston and New England putting the pedal to the metal. What teams from a roster building standpoint, not necessarily quantity and free agency, but yeah. as a quant- uh, quality of free agent signings, which teams do you think are doing the best right now and are putting themselves in a really good place moving forward? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I told you offline, if I, if I could put real money on it, I'd bet the Cleveland Browns right now. Um, two really, really impactful signings to that secondary. Incredible. Both from the Rams. I mean, if you're going to pick from a defense, that's a pretty good defense to take from. So, you know, the Troy Hill and John Johnson contracts, not only are they great value, financially speaking, they're just the right fits. Those are the right guys. Um, they did bring an edge rusher in. I imagine they're going to bring in something else to bookend Miles Garrett. But Tack McKinley off, out of Atlanta, that's a nice start. I, I got to say this, I because I'm going to crush him at some point in the show. But the Giants positionally are adding the right pieces. You know, keeping Leonard Williams on what I think is good. I mean, two for 45 guaranteed, that shouldn't scare anybody. Now, the Kenny Galladay situation, they needed it. Okay, I mean, they lost yeah, they Golden did. Tate. You know, Sterling Shepard is a little past his prime, and some of those other pieces just haven't worked out, one of them being the tight end, Evan Engram, who they're still waiting for him to break out, you know, and, and his rookie contract is now almost up. So you had to go big, but, man, did they go big <laughs> financially. We'll get to it in some of the best or worst, but it is the right position. It, it was a need. So what they're doing is at least filling needs. Um, Cincinnati is kind of in the middle for me. I love what Washington has done. How can you not? You know, once they sign Brandon Sheriff and they lock him in for the next couple of seasons and lower that cap hit, the Curtis Samuel marriage just seemed like the easiest pick from day one. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, okay, he's definitely going there because that, that plus McLaurin is going to make any quarterback better. Um, the Fitzpatrick one, we've heard mixed things. You and I talked about it. There's nothing wrong with it, nor should it impede them from getting another quarterback via the draft or if Deshaun Watson wants to go play ball in DC, something like that. Um, it's just a good little stopgap on a, maybe an overpay, but you know, good stopgap. Other than that, you know, Buffalo's filling needs. 
kind of quietly, uh, a second tight end, uh, a third wide receiver. You know, they brought back their cornerback from last year on a good tender. There's some, there's some good hits. I'll tell you the team that maybe isn't getting talked about enough um, because they've made a bunch of releases. There's some free agents still hanging out there that they could resign. But the Chargers adding two gigantic offensive linemen, how can you hate that? You know, unless they're absolute busts and Matt Filer and, and Corey Lindsley, how can you hate that? They know they got the guy now in Herbert. I mean, he's a star. He's a star in the making. And this could be a major breakout season for him now, year two in that system. So nothing wrong with that. I don't think Jacksonville's done enough of that, knowing what they have coming. I don't think Cincinnati's done near enough. And they already lost their guy. Joe Burrow's already out once for the injury. So Yeah, and we've talked about how how yeah. much the offensive line is imperative to the, the quarterbacks succeeding. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cincinnati brings in Riley Rife, fine, but that's a castaway. You know, that's somebody else's kind of garbage right now. He's a nice player, but they didn't... My, my point is they didn't go and aggressively try to rebuild that offensive line, whereas the Chargers, that was one of their day one you know, milestones, no question about it. And they've done a nice job with that. A little bit of an overpay, but who cares? You've got the guy, you got to keep him upright. So, so those are probably so the teams off the top there that are, that are at least filmed. I mean, we could talk all day about the Patriots and I think we'll save it for a show because there's that much to talk about. I don't even know, you know, maybe that's something you can, you can kind of bring up because you're more on the outside of this. Do you like what the Patriots have done? Yeah, I think I have yeah. from a if I take my Bills cap off, you know, they they have absolutely filled needs mm-hmm. that you don't mind that it looks draft. like the old Patriots team at all. You don't think that's going to be a problem? You know what I mean? No, the structure, that, the two that, tight end system, that kind of thing. No, because that that's that system succeeded. Yeah. Obviously they had Tom, but if Belichick and coaching staff feel yeah. that that is their bread and butter and cam can be a plug-in with that structure of having the two tight ends having you know they added a wide receiver they added some depth on the defense you know i think from a roster building standpoint they're putting themselves in a better position to not have to succeed or not based on the draft are they have they leapfrogged the dolphins for you yeah, I would say yes. Okay. You know what I, I equate the two tight end system to? And obviously, it worked for a lot of years. And, and the reason it works, and I've, I've heard some really smart people talk about this, is it's just so damn hard to defend. It isn't that those guys are overpowering superstars. They don't have to be. just so happens that Gronk was, you know, and, and Hernandez was for a few years there. And these two certainly have a chance to be that. But it is so hard to game plan against on a week-to-week basis because you just don't see it anywhere else. You and I were just talking offline. Syracuse is up big again, round two. Loyola Chicago just blows out Illinois, number one seed. Zones. And it's the simplest thing in the world. It's one of the easiest things to run in elementary school. But because you don't see it on a regular basis in, in, in Division One basketball, when it pops up on you on a Saturday afternoon, it's like foreign territory. You know That's why Syracuse just has to get in, and they know that zone is going to be a different enough. You can probably equate this two tight end system to that. If they can find the right personnel, which a lot of people now think they have, that they're just going to fall back into this. They ha- they now have enough to run their system, which has been super successful. And, you know, teams like the Bills, who may have their personnel in place, may not have the right personnel now to run to, to stop that specifically. So that maybe is what enough of a change from 2020 to 2021 to make them contenders in the AFC East. Well, and having two tight ends in the game together allows them to either throw it to them or they're blocking and you don't necessarily know which one is going to come out. So it gives that element that the linebackers or whoever's going to have to cover those tight ends when they come out, you know, it's a element that not a lot of teams use because there aren't necessarily two strong tight ends that teams can use. So in the fact, if they can get back to that yeah. that way of the two tight end and it works. And cam is like we talked about the other day is back to 85% of what he was in Carolina. Then you 
they they are going to be a team that is vying for a playoff. Yeah, position. and they're going to push it back through the running game too. And I, I think they know they have a kid in Damian Harris who might be breaking out this year. And there's plenty of second-tier free agents still out there. We can get to a few of them in our list in a bit here. But I, they're not done. You know, they got 18 signings here. They're not done. And there's a there's a good draft position for them as well if they feel like they want to either get the quarterback of the future or just add for the now. It's uh, They've come a long way in 10 days. That's for darn sure. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much of it is, you know, going to pan out. But generally speaking, when you load up on the defense, which they have done, and you don't overpay on too many major, you know, weapon positions, which there's some argument there. Let's let's back off. I mean, the Aguilar contract is weird. There's no question yeah. about it. Uh, but they identified him early. But some of this stuff has to work out really well. There's just too much volume here not for some of it not to be great, you know? Yeah, I agree. What um, What position has done the best, in, in your opinion, outside of necessarily, you know, the finances and, and the money, mm-hmm. but do you, do you think that um, positions have increased their value based on the signings that you've been putting in, or are there ones that just have just been atrocious? It's a weird year, maybe to talk about trends in any, in any regard, whether it's team spending or positional spending. But the one thing I have noticed is this, um, you know, kind of, we're kind of loaded up on the AFC East here, but honestly, it's been one of the heavier uh, movement of the off season. The bills brought back two linemen early before the league year, Daryl Williams, John Feliciano. Um, what seemed like great buys because they were maybe slightly under what we had them at, maybe slightly under what you're hearing as the going rate for that kind of a player might be ever since. I mean, yes, Corey Lindsay got paid. Joe Tooney got paid. But they're only two-year deals. And everyone else below that, Trent Williams notwithstanding, is $7 million, $6 million per year. A couple years guaranteed, maybe only one year guaranteed. The offensive line situation after Tier 1 didn't even have a Tier 2. It went from Tier 1 to Tier 3. And now you're in tier four kind of land because we're a week into free agency. So if you are, if you're in need of, I mean, there's some, there's left tackles available right now. Eric Fisher, Alejandro Villanueva from Pittsburgh, starting left tackles available. And I'm not sure they're going to break the bank because of where things have gone. That's been shocking to me that we just saw what happened to the Chiefs. And I'll say this every week if I have to. That was a glaring offensive line void, no question. They have two more guys available to throw in there. I think they're competing with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And yet here we are, and teams with quarterbacks aren't bringing in those guys for some for whatever reason. They feel like they, they, they don't have the cash to spend in 2021. But it just seems like that situation has taken a nosedive, big-time nosedive. David Andrews goes back to the Patriots on basically $4 million a year for two years, two for eight. He's going to be the starting center for Cam Newton or whoever's playing quarterback, Trey Lance. Incredible value. Incredible. As the second center taken off the market, essentially. So that stood out for me. Um, The running back situation is really interesting, Scott. And we're not going to beat that horse too much. But you're seeing some guys. I I mean, Philip Lindsay went from a restricted tender to getting that rescinded to getting over $3 million guaranteed by Houston in about 12 hours. <laughs> and uh, we have that. Then we have Chris Carson taking you know, two for 10. Then we've got Aaron Jones basically taking two for 24. Then we've got Kenyon Drake, which we'll get to. But it's all over the board is my point. It's literally all over the board. Whereas most of the other positions... You know, wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, and a bunch of people, right? Offensive line is kind of Joe Tooney and Trent Williams and Corey Lindsley and a bunch of people right now. But those bunch of people are above average football players. This was a good class for linemen, wide receivers, edge rushers, and running backs to some degree. And there's really no consistency. And I, and, and I don't know if you listen to the show, Scott, when I had Shane Costa on, the NFL agent. Yeah, I did. One of the things we talked about was you know, the union, the NFLPA basically said publicly, hey, 
NFL agents get together and and let's do this together. Let's get our players of same positions, of same age groups. Let's work on this together so that our tiers are consistent, so that player X and player Y who have similar comps are compensated fairly in 2021 and that teams are bouncing around like this. It hasn't happened in my opinion. You're seeing two very similar players get 6 million difference in AAVs right now. So the inconsistency of the signings is a little bit shocking because like I said, it was publicly put out there. We got to make sure this doesn't happen. And it is happening for me. Do you think that it more specifically with the running back position, because it has become hard to evaluate that position because of the devaluation, but then we still have extremely high signings like McCaffrey last year. So the, Teams are still struggling in trying to determine what a good value or what a not good value is for signing a player. No, that that seems too mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> that seems too mean. I think, for instance, with Galladay, we can probably get to that now. They take him out for stakes. There's a couple of teams courting him, kind of old school courting him. He's probably a pretty likable guy. He's got a ton of red flags. All right, he basically talked himself out of Detroit and that coaching staff. He had an injury. He didn't, I don't think at any point in time did he really hold up to his draft position or where he, you know, he wanted to be. So he's being paid for what's coming, which a lot of people believe in that, and that's fine. But you paid him exactly what he was asking for. He, he publicly asked for 18.5. Scott, what's the next highest paid wide receiver in free agency this year? So Galladay's at 18 before the incentives and all that kicked in. Okay. If I would have given you five guesses, would you have gotten Corey Davis? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Corey have. Davis still. In fact, the first wide receiver taken off the board, Corey Davis, 12 and a half million per year to the Jets. So your top two AAVs this offseason, free agent wise, Giants and Jets. You get trigger happy. Those are, two, those are two teams that desperately needed the WR1. And even though there's t- there were 12 good names out there this year, and there's at least five great names in the draft, you know what I mean? And maybe two available via the trade. Seriously, like good players available via the trade. They, they just felt like, you know, they got, they got jittery. They got jittery. They're sitting there having dinner with the guy, talking to him. And you just feel like, we got to get this guy done. Let's just give him what he wants. We, we, we want this guy. It's fine. I'm not going to crush it, but you are you are five and a half million dollars more per year than any other player at your position right now in this free agency. Eighteen million. Do Do you think that they paid that high, knowing that probably going into the draft they're going to take a wide receiver to be that number two in the draft? Jets are number two. They may trade back and still get a wide receiver. Giants are at eleven. So you know it, it sort of makes you think. We're going to pay to get at least that number one. So the guy that comes in is going to be our number two, sort of like Atlanta did with Kelvin Ridley behind. Because he'll be cost controlled, you're thinking? So you can overpay for for your free agent because your your number two is going to be rookie controlled? Correct. It's not the worst idea if that's all you needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? Um it, there's a very good possibility, Scott, that you know both the Giants and the Jets are taking high wide receivers. They won't be the highest because I hear number three is probably going to be the top guy, whether that's Miami or somebody else who jumps in. But you know, it's a big gap. It's it, and all you can equate it to is we just have to do it. You know what I mean? We just have to do it. It just feels like an overcompensation. It's fine. I'm not going to kill it. That is what he's worth in our system. I mean, it's not like they went and, you know, gave him 20 plus a year in free agency. That that didn't happen here. It's three for 54, pretty strongly structured. So that's the other thing. This guy has red flags. And the language I was hearing from the NFL guys when this was reported was, oh, the Giants are 100% going to be protected here with this guy. You know, that number's big, but there's going to be protections. Well, I just saw the contract. I can tell you right now, he's fully injury guaranteed through 2023, three years. So if he breaks his leg and tears a, tears his shoulder out tomorrow, he's getting $54 million. <laughs> okay. That's a $17 million signing bonus. So I mean, he's already paid this year. It, it's, 
It is extremely strong. There's only one year of per game roster bonuses, and it's this year. After this year, if he gets through, money's money. And if he's playing on it, it's his. So it's a very player-friendly contract. It was all about getting that guy right now. That's what that contract says to me. It's fine because I like a lot of moves they've made defensively, and that defense overachieved last year as it was. But is that offensive line ready for Daniel Jones? I don't think so. I don't think so. They let Kevin Zeitler walk. It's one of the best value contracts of the year going to Baltimore. So that's already a minus. Nate Solder had to restructure just to say, basically take a $4 million bath on his contract. I'm not even sure he's good enough to be a right tackle right now after taking the year off. So again, he's a nice, big, shiny new toy to play with. But if Daniel Jones can't stay up, it's not going to be worth a damn. What else? What other things are standing out for you here, Scott? Who's the best available left? Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, you have any names out there? Because honestly, I could give you five offensive linemen as my favorites. They're that good. I mentioned Villanueva. I mentioned Eric Fisher. How about Mitchell Schwartz? Eric Fisher's old battery mate at guard. I think he might be the best available player because he's healthy. I mean, yeah, he's going to be 32. But who wouldn't want an experienced tackle slash guard right now? I wouldn't. You know, that's your right tackle. You're telling me Baltimore doesn't want to trade Orlando Brown and slot in Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle? I would. I would if I'm Baltimore. That's definitely one of the trade candidates slash signing candidates right there. Um, in terms of, you know, some weapons out there, it's getting a little thin. Adam Humphreys, maybe maybe Golden Tate we mentioned. I, I, T.Y. Hilton's got to find a home somewhere. The, my, my thinking is T.Y. Hilton has good offers from other teams, and he is dying to get back to Indy. I think he wants to play his whole career there from what I've read. And he's just waiting for them to play ball financially at this point. And, and then look, Tampa Bay, Scott, they're signing everybody. Everybody's coming back to the party. You know, even the kicker on a, on a pretty nice one for five, um, structurally speaking. But what happens to Ndamukong Sue? What happens to Antonio Brown? Are they going to be kind of late, late free agent bringbacks for Tampa Bay um, who are just kind of letting them do their due diligence? Sammy Watkins is a really interesting name sitting out there right now. If you're, if you're a weapon, if you're looking for a patch in WR23, um, you know, maybe a Seattle for a player like that who just needs to kind of ramp up the weapons a little bit. Chicago could use any wide receiver at this point. So I, I do think those, those weapons should have no trouble finding homes. Then you got some older edge rushers, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap. Um, you know, name players who are just getting a little up there, a little long in the tooth, but there's contenders that still want this. I mentioned Cleveland. Buffalo's definitely in on, a, on an edge rusher. Uh, Green Bay's likely still in on an edge rusher. Tampa Bay might have to replace somebody at some point. Just, you know, the good, the good teams still want these guys. I'd imagine Kansas City's still looking for players like this. So, you know, I don't know if any of these names really scream at you, Scott, um, you know, and you can stop me whenever, but running backs, Mike Davis, Todd Gurley, uh, James Conner, James White, Matt Breida. There's some solid names out there for sure that can come in. You know, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, if you want to go a little older. But really good depth, guys, for teams looking to add their third or fourth player. What about players like, you know, he went through this last year, Jadavian Clowney, yeah. got Ryan Kerrigan. You know, Russell Okung, he's 33, but, I mean, he's a serviceable left tackle. Uh, when you think about those guys. Clowney's only 28. I mean, can right. you even believe that? We're not talking about 32 years. I mean, most of these guys we're talking about are 32, 33 years old. Let's be fair. Even the wide receivers. He's 28. And is it mental? Is it he wants to be something he's not? Is it like a Tim Tebow kind of thing, right? Where everybody's right. dying to make him a tight end and he, he refuses to play tight end. Is that what this is with Clowney, or he refuses to not be a, a pass rusher at this point? Um, he's going to be a steal if he can find the right fit. Uh, we we see this in the NBA, Scott, all the time. You know, just the, a, a solid player who f keeps finding the wrong home year yes. after year, gets bounced around to different teams, and then one year, you know, age 30, the right coach gets him and says, hey, hey there's value in this guy doing this specifically, whether it's just getting boards or just doing, you know, passing dimes. That's what it feels like with a clowny. And he just needs that roulette wheel to land on the right freaking number. Um, it's not Seattle. It might be Seattle. That seemed to be okay. It doesn't appear to be Tennessee. It doesn't appear to be, 
you know, he, he, I can't imagine him going back to Houston. Who's it going to be? You know, who's going to figure out Jadavian Clowney? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but at 28 years old, somebody's going to take a flyer. There's no question about that. Anything else popping off for you here? You want to talk Russell Okung? He's he's a top 15 available free agent, and he's got a little bit more of a story. You want to hit that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was super interesting. Um, I messaged you to say, hey, you see this? You know, he he ended up what uh, taking half of his salary last year, put right. it into Bitcoin, and the what, 13 million dollars turned into 21, if I have that correct. Yeah, so he took six and a half million of his 13 million cash okay. last year, tossed it into Bitcoin when it was at $27,000 per share. It was at 61,000 a week ago, which means his 13 million cash that was supposed to be earned last year is now over $21 million. <laughs> so, really not good, not bad for a self-represented left tackle in this league. That's yeah. a pretty good payday. I mean, that's Trent Williams like right there. Right? He turned himself into Trent Williams using Bitcoin. That's what he did. Pretty awesome stuff. And there's there's more of these guys doing it. We, we've seen it in the NBA with Dinwiddie kind yep, of trying to did. start his own mm-hmm. NFT situation. I'm not sure that really, you know, he got hurt. So I, I think there's a lot of that that has p- petered off a bit. But I love these creative stories that guys are taking, you know, they're really good solid paydays and, and trying to invest, whether it's in businesses or, or avenues like this, because they're just out there. And if you can take a little time and read and educate yourself, which that's clearly what he's done. He's clearly a, a an astute dude. There's some really smart avenues. I mean, Gronk's in NFTs now. So you know it's it's legit. If, if, if somebody talked to Gronk into this, down this avenue, it's uh, it's going to happen. And that's kind of the top shot stuff that we talked about a, f- a few shows ago, Scott. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's, uh, it's all coming around. I imagine that's we're just getting the tip of the iceberg with that kind of stuff. But... Good stuff from Okung, and uh, he's a top fifteen player available right now. He's going to find a home as a either a depth tackle or somebody's left tackle for the twenty twenty one season. How about the numbers? These numbers screaming anything to you in terms of total value in free agency? The the guarantee percentages that you track really well in the tracker. Anything really uh, scaring you away right now? No, not really. To be honest, I mean it's. Pretty, pretty on par. I mean, guaranteed is slightly down based on the numbers that you've got in there. That's how, that's the right way to say it. Once everything comes in, right, and I get full details on all of these contracts, and we're only a week in. So a week from now, we'll do this again. But here, I'll give you the breakdown. 2018 was $2.5 billion spent or total value, 42% guaranteed at signing. 2019, $2.6 billion, 42%. Almost exactly the same back-to-back. 2020, a little bit less, 2.3 in total value, which is good, right? That means that the contract's tightened up a little bit. 48% guaranteed at signing. That's when agents and players started to figure it out right there before last March. Hey, we got to figure this out. Why are we signing five-year deals that are only two-year deals? Why are we giving them so much fluff to look at or, or, or options basically for them to take on? Let's shorten this thing, get ourselves the guaranteed money in the first two years, then get the heck out of there. We're seeing a pretty good version of that this year, even though it's a weird year. And even though Trent Williams kind of ruined this, right? He's got 138 and only mm-hmm. 39 of that is fully guaranteed at signing. So that that is a almost a throwaway contract for the rest of free agency. But other than that, we're at 2 billion, 46% guaranteed at sign. And that's going to go up as I get more details. So I bet we get closer to that 48% mark again, Scott. I think it's going to look okay. a lot like last year. 2.1, 2.2 billion, 48% guaranteed at signing. That's good. If you can get that to 50, I think you're going to make a lot of players very, well, very happy. And I think that's that's good in a down cap year. Yeah. Because teams are more fickle in some cases, or like you said, there's a tier one and then they're dropping to tier fours. Let me tell you what's uh, saving it. Because you've, you've asked a bunch about this. You know what's saving these numbers? Void years. <laughs> and, and that was the yeah. last question I was going to bring up for you today was, you know, these, these board years, I've brought it up multiple times. Yeah. And then over the weekend I said, Oh my God, another two with these voids. This is unbelievable. Well, it's funny because I'm not that are using it. I, you know, I, when I get when I get a sneak peek at these contracts, some, sometimes version one of the contract doesn't have them. And then version two, 
there they are because teams either decided, hey, you know what? We should just throw them in there. This is the year to do it. Let's just get them in there. We'll drop the cap at this year. We'll take the take it next year. Um, it's almost like they're second guessing themselves or something else came up that where they figured out they needed more cap space, things like that. You can just, you can kind of see them working internally, but yeah, look at void years aren't fluff. There's no fluff in those years. They're going away. You know what I mean? There's no salary that maybe he makes if he's a superstar, but not a big enough superstar to get extended. You know what I mean? Like he's just an above average player. That's all the fluff is. These are short. These are concise. These are half guaranteed. And if they and instead of adding five years onto a two-year deal to allow the team to spread it out, agents are saying, no, no, no. It's a two-year deal, and you add three void years. And you take the dead cap hit in 2023 when there's going to be a gigantic league cap anyway. And so it's just working out. It just so happens that pandemic salary cap drop is two years away from TV money salary cap boom. So... You can get your two-year contract. You can use the void years. You can spread out the, the signing bonus over five years. You can restructure a roster bonus over five years right now. And everybody kind of feels okay with it because player gets paid. They're getting out before age 30, before 2023. And the teams have ridiculously low cap hits this year. If you run down our, our free agent tracker, Scott, and look at the first-year cap hits for some of these players, it's insane. Grok is at like three... Um, just, just insane. Some of these numbers, Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, they're at like three, three and a half. I, I mean, all of these big time contracts, you know, just nuts. Most of them are under five. I, I'd, I'd put the majority on these first year cap hits under five, maybe six is the line as the average. But you know, the only one that I've seen that's really, really up there is Carl Lawson to the jets. For some reason, they didn't use any void years and they didn't really prorate the bonuses. They're just kind of taking his $14 million cap in all, all this year. That's probably subject to change, and they re end up restructuring that. But other than that, everybody's crazy low, as you might expect, but it's because of the void years. It's not because these are five-year contracts, which three years ago, that's exactly what they would have been. So this pandemic and this little loophole that many teams were using, but now everyone figured it out, is kind of saving really bad contracts from being signed right now. Everybody's got to be happy with what's happening right now. Okay. Are you still confused? You're just no, confused you as to how they exist, not that they exist, right? Yeah, and I guess I, I have I've thought of this offline on how how these voids can be valid, and I guess yeah. they can be valid in the sense that if they built in a um, you know a metric that said this player needs to have yeah. 200 catches or, you know, however many catches and it's just unattainable and it voids at that threshold. Yeah. And if they don't make it, then it voids. And I, so I understand that they can throw those things in there to make it legal. Yeah. And I guess subsequently, if they wanted to have that where it was attainable, and if the player didn't pr produce, then it voided. And if not, then it, I, w I would assume then they would get that year, which is why there's multiple void years. And I'm sure there's language in there that is for each void year. Um, so, so in a way, I get, I, I get what's happening. When do you think we get to a point where two-year deal, three-year voidable, player well, option in year three? Okay maybe next year you think you think that's what you think that's the next element with some of these bigger players yeah i, I am frankly shocked because that's kind that, of the baseball metric well i'm shocked that the, that more teams in the nfl haven't used player or even club options yeah. like the nba has a lot baseball has a lot i'm surprised that they haven't introduced or used those aspects more with players yeah. um I'm I'm kind of surprised now that I'm realizing how these voids probably work in the background is why teams don't just if you sign a one year or a two year deal you just build in <laughs> void years to pro if you give a a one year with a a, a signing bonus why right. not just make it over five total of five years for voidable to make that cap hit spread out why why not do it all the time if that's the case. 
I agree. Do you have an answer? I, I completely <laughs> agree. If you feel like the, de- the dead cap next year is not going to be a problem to you, then do it. Or if you feel like there's a really good chance you're going to extend that player, just do it. So will Take the void this that, year. in that void year, everything would just accelerate back to that void year. Is that what would happen if it was a uh, prorated over, uh, you know, five years, but it was a one year deal, then that those four voidable years would just accelerate back to that. So that's exactly what Gronk has. Okay. So Gronk got a one year, $8 million contract. Um, I believe it's a six and change signing bonus. Yeah. Six and change signing bonus Four void years tacked onto the back end of the one year deal. And when it's all said and done next year, assuming that they don't extend him prior to the void, which is basically right after the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay will have a $5 million dead cap hit. Yeah. The four voids accelerate into 2022 and they'll have a $5 million dead cap hit for him. next so year. It's, but, so it's, so it's like a, a, a post June 1st trade, yeah. uh, post June 1st release without post June 1st tagging them. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you all, but the team also gets this option. Um, and this happened with Drew Brees a bunch of times with Brady a couple of times as well, because there were some dumb years built in to the, their, their last few contracts. So let's say Gronk has a rebirth. He's only 31, by the way, 32 in a couple of weeks here. He's not 40, you know, Let's say, hey, I'm going to stick around for Tom Brady's last three years here if Brady wants to play three more. If they extend him, the void year structure stays in place. So okay. it wouldn't be $5 million in 2022. It would remain $1.25 million mm-hmm. as the dead cap for, one, for 2022. And then they would add on a base salary, right. maybe a new signing bonus to that. So the structure holds until the day it voids. Once the void happens, then the acceleration happens. But you can keep that structure and then tack on a new contract to it if you want to. So there, there is some, there's a couple of positives to having this kind of thing laid out. Is there a specific, I think I know the answer, but it says at least on Gronk's, I'm assuming this is on others too, void 23 days before league year. Is that 23 because of, franchise tagging or is there a magic is that a magic number i don't have a day i don't have a reason for that one specifically i've seen all all different kinds five days after the super bowl two days after the super bowl the the actual start of the league year everybody seems to have a new a different reason and my guess is it has to do with how the team operates specifically Mm -hmm. you know teams make decisions they've got milestones built out throughout a calendar and franchise tag could be part of it by the way yeah that could be a good reason to get out before that um, so that you under, you have your dead cap situation at least more handled at that point. We'll see. It's interesting. I got, I got one last question. I don't know uh, what the status of this is, but I'm sure everyone is uh, itching to know because we've talked about these void years. And mm-hmm. what's up with the Taysom Hill? Is it really four for one? Oh my god! Are you really asking me this question? <laughs> this is the worst. I'm just joking. It took every, to... every fiber in my body not to just hop onto a podcast the second it was announced. It's <laughs> void know. years. Um, and look, you you hit the nail. I, I haven't seen that contract with my plain eyes. There are definitely some sort of thresholds that he can hit that unlocks those years. Maybe one year that. at a time. I don't. I can't. I don't imagine it's all four. But um, there is. There are some starting production thresholds: pass, pass yards, touchdowns snap counts, completion, whatever it is that gets him to a point where that contract is real, but it is the most unlikely to be earned ever right now for me. The fact that you haven't seen it yet. Do you think that's a sign that it's still, still being negotiated or it it isn't going to be what really came out and they did it just for cap circumvention? They did do it for six. It was a restructure. It was a restructure with a lot of sexy numbers in the back end of it. Look, it saved them a ton of cap space. Eight, eight million, maybe almost eight million of cap. But but and, if it hasn't come through, yeah. you, is it not official? It's you official. Know, they, it is. Yeah, okay. it's official. I, I just don't have the uh, the wherewithal gotcha. to get those specific uh, triggers, those incentive triggers. They're, they're, they'll be out there. But it's it couldn't be more unreal <laughs> at this point. And that's at least how I look at it. He might be a hell of a player. I mean, this might be an interesting year for him, but he's just not a $35 million per year player. There's no question about that. 
Anything else? Yeah, last question. Go ahead. So we talked about a couple weeks ago how, you know, or maybe it was last time, you know, top three in the last half of this decade, teams have done well. So looking at, you know, top value spending teams right now, Patriots are one, then 49ers, Jaguars, Jets, Bengals round off the top five. If you were to bet one of those five to A, have a really good record and B, make the playoffs, if that's the case, which one would you go with? Oh, boy. I I think there's a world where the Patriots smorgasbord works. I just don't hate any of those contracts or signings enough. You know, I there's some eyeballers, right? The, the Aguilar one's weird, but he had a nice year last year. So is $11 million a year for that guy really that big of a deal? Probably not. You know, two for 22, essentially, on base value. I think we all love the tight ends. So offensively, they should be markedly better right now. Markedly better. And they haven't even gotten to the draft yet, so who knows what they can do there. Um, and they have, you know, they signed 15 free agents. They extended four more players. And they brought back four opt-out players. Which yeah. those guys are already good. They're in the system. They know what's going on. They've already got a role. That's that's maybe not even be talked about enough because that's like having a second free agency where, you know, and then not to mention you brought back Kyle Van Noy. You brought you brought back players who had previously been here who are going to have a role, a defined role in a system they already know. There's just a lot to like, and, and the volume and the total value is generally scary at this at these levels. I mean, 268 total value right now, 53% of it guaranteed at signing. Those are those are non-patriot numbers on every level. I mean, they don't they don't generally make anything impactful, but these are impactful contracts. It's not, but it's not the volume that scares me. If I'm the Bills and the Dolphins, it's that these are a lot of familiar faces. In, in a system that, that has been proven to work for two decades with a coaching staff that's still there. Um, it, it's It's got to be in people's heads right now that they are not just throwing baloney like Houston is. De- Houston definitely is just going for it. Just give me every name possible. We want comp picks and a couple of guys that might work out just in case you know our quarterback runs out of town, which is very possible. That's not what it feels like with the Wingland. It feels, feels a little bit more calculated. It's a little bit more, let's get the band back together because we got these four draft picks on our team that have to go. A running back, a wide receiver, and two tight ends. They're out. They're done. Uh, so anybody we can replace with who knows this system, it, it should translate to the postseason, right? At least a wild card, I would think. Yeah, you, you would think. The, the one thing that I find interesting is Jacksonville, the Jets, and, yeah. and the Bengals are in the top five right now, and they all three are in the top five of the draft. So they are not only spending now, but they also have top draft picks, Mm -hmm. which, you know, could bode really well for them. If you know, there's free agent signings. I'll say it. I'll say it this way. Here's a question for you to finish it. Should the jets take a quarterback at two knowing what they've now done? And do what with Donald? Trade start him, him, keep him. No, start him. Start him. So they're not going to take the number two quarterback. They're going to start Darnold. Yeah, I. You know what I mean? I, I, I do. It's sort of the Philadelphia 76ers model where they've they drafted a point guard and a point guard yes. and a center and a yes. center and a center until they hit, they hit on and beat. Yes. Yes. So if that is the case, yes, because then you could flip either one of them. You could flip Darnold for someone mm-hmm. or say they take Zach Wilson. They could flip him a year later if they feel they get him in camp and they internally see, oh, this is not – or we see that this is a high ceiling. We can flip one of them uh, and get something out of it. So, yeah, I could see that happening. They sign, they've got a high draft pick left tackle, a really good defensive lineman, 
from Quentin Williams, a franchise-tagged, really good safety in Marcus May. They are probably a cornerback away, an edge rusher away, and another wide receiver away. I just don't know if I can believe in Corey Davis as a number one wide receiver right now. But I just don't think there are that many holes away. Truly. So why, why would you bring in a brand new quarterback, which essentially restarts the whole process, you know? Financially, it does too. So that's a positive. But I, I don't know. Is it just one of those things where you, if you are number two, you just can't not go quarterback? Because when are you going to be here again? Is that what it is? You know, I just think it's so interesting for, it, it for teams because... that don't need it. Like Miami. Miami at number three, they're so interesting. They've got to be so tempted to go out, up, you know, whatever. Yeah, because, you know, either one of them, you know, if that offensive lineman from Alabama is there and they're, everyone is saying he is the the guy to get, yep. they, they could go that route. They could, Or they could say, all right, let's trade down and get a, another guy that we're looking for, but also get two first rounders because we can that's the going rate to go up yep. to number two. They, they really do have a lot of scenarios and it's going to be the front office to figure out which which way do we want to go now if they do take a quarterback at number two and they keep both of those quarterbacks going into camp man the the media is going to <laughs> yes it's a problem especially yes especially in new in new york if you were in a a, a lower market see you can't do you that probably scott you can't even do that because then Darnold has negative 100 value. There's no value in him. Everybody knows he's done. He hasn't. He owns. He holds nothing at that point. And that is a great point too. So it's either Darnold over the next four weeks, or they're keeping him. Yes. Can't they, and maybe can't and they maybe just swap they with Atlanta? Just give Atlanta the are. pick. And maybe they are keeping him because they brought in Corey Davis and Keelan Cole and. Um, maybe maybe they think they just need the weapons. They I, haven't done anything to their offensive look, line. That's so how that's I read it, help. Scott. That's why I brought the question up. I, I read it as now they could be doing that for a new quarterback, but it seems that seems more unlikely to me. It, it seems more likely that they're building for what they have right now. This is a brand new front office that really is just finding their legs. It's going to be a brand new coach, which may be the most important free agent signing of the offseason for the Jets. Knowing yeah, what at number we know, two, you take that offensive lineman at number two. Or, don't you just flip flop with Atlanta? Don't you let the Falcons go up and get Zach Wilson to to be the the heir apparent to Matt Ryan next year after this year? Let them get the guy. You get an extra Hoping. huge pick to go back to four. I, I think that's the right move for the Jets. Yeah, I guess it depends on who who they're targeting. Because at Miami, I mean, that could be a wild card where they either take somebody or they Miami's taking down. the wide receiver. Book it. Book it. They're taking that Jamar Chase kid. That everybody says it. Now everybody's always wrong, but that's what's being said. So then, couldn't you get? You your don't think? Couldn't you get your you offensive lineman at number four? You don't think Harris is there because he's played with two or two? I mean, I, it's, it's probably fifty-fifty. But yeah, it's possible. I, I get. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Just something to think about now that free agency is starting to starting to dwindle a little bit, and we head towards that draft. It's just. Yeah, it might it's be, one of those might, drafts that. Slam dunk number one, but two through nine, super interesting. Crazy you know, interesting. It, it, it's probably a now that free agency is dying out to have the uh, the lady from Draft Network on again. Oh, to yeah. see Paige. What 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 they're what they're seeing internally now that yeah. teams have filled in necessary gaps and positions. What are these teams at the top of the draft going to do? We may need to wait a little bit to have her back because she's a Bears apologist. It's been a <laughs> been a rough couple of weeks, so we'll uh, maybe we'll let we'll let her settle down a little bit. But interesting stuff to think of for sure. If you've got any thoughts yes. on the Jets at number two, for sure, hit us up at Spotrack. We'll uh, love to have that conversation and continue that going. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Speaking of which, right, man, how do you project that? <laughs> How do you project these prospects coming out right now? You know, yeah, there might know. be wide receivers going three in the top 15. There might be four quarterbacks in the top 10. It might be sick, really sick. And then two running backs, probably the back end of the first round. So it's a great year for weapon prospects. There's no question. 
DynastyOwner.com. It's open. It's available for 2021. Real NFL contracts, real average salaries for your fantasy process. Like as Scott mentioned, you get points for your bench players. So it's not just a, a 12-man spot. It, it is really a 20-person roster every week that you've got to kind of keep up with. Really good. Really well done. We did a beta test last year with it. It's really worth your time if you're a big-time Dynasty fantasy football guy or gal. DynastyOwner.com. Get you going. My thanks to The Athletic. Everything you need on all the most comprehensive sports coverage. Download the app. Add free content, always, including on SpotTrack.com. And the sidebars are on your mobile device right there with your team or league on SpotTrack linked up with The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. For Scott Elm, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast.